My name is Pedro Mujabafid, and we at TMC aim to discuss and inform students regarding topics which aren't covered well in medical school. This interview series is aimed at answering the questions that medical students, interns and doctors-to-be have regarding the various career pathways for medical graduates. Now, the views and opinions expressed here are purely personal and are not reflective or representative of the stance of any employer, college, medical service, endorsement or other person. Alright, let's start the show. Hi everyone, with us today we have Mr. Ravi Solomon, who's an orthopaedic consultant. Thank you for joining us, Ravi. My pleasure. Can you tell us a bit about your journey from medical student to orthopaedic consultant? Um, so, it was a very uh, exciting time so when I got into medicine, and uh, I'd say one of the happiest days of my life when I got the news that I got into medicine. Uh, and since then, the journey has been fascinating because uh, I loved every aspect of medicine and I made a lot of good friends and I really enjoyed the basic sciences. And then as we went along, the application of the basic sciences and different areas of medicine. And uh, as time passed by, you know, uh, interests changed as well. You know, initially with the basic sciences, I loved anatomy, but also really enjoyed physiology. And then down the track, uh, you know, during the clinic year, clinical years, I found uh, some areas of medicine like cardiology and neurology are fascinating because of the, the physiology of it, I guess, and the application of physiology. And as times passed by later on, you know, I ended up choosing surgery, but definitely surgery was not on my mind earlier on. But overall, you know, the best years of my life was my university time because I made some very life-lasting friends and I really enjoyed the journey as well because it's, I guess, one different thing about medicine is that you apply most of your knowledge whereas in other areas when people learn uh, at university they don't necessarily apply every aspect of the knowledge so the more you remember from your lectures and from your textbook reading the better doctor you're going to be perfect and can you tell us what jobs you've had or what positions you've held as you've gone through um so um i studied at monash university and i did my uh clinical rotations at Monash Medical Center and some at Dandenong Hospital. Um, after graduation, I ended up working at the Alfred. And the reason for that was when I was in final year, I had to make a decision as to which areas of which area am I going to go into. Uh, like all the other medical students who are currently in final year thinking what area they're going to go into. So initially, as I was sort of alluding to it earlier on, in my f- we, we had a six-year program, and my fourth year and fifth year, I was really interested in cardiology and neurology, and I thought that that was fascinating. But towards the final year, um, I had some rotations um, in surgical term, and then I actually enjoyed surgery mm-hmm. as well. And I wasn't quite sure whether I was going to go into medicine as a subspeciality or surgery. I definitely had ruled out lots of other things like GP training and obstetric and gynae, etc. So at the time, Alfred was a good choice because both the, orthope- uh, both the uh, surgical training and the physician training programs were excellent. So I could choose either and therefore I went there. Whereas Monash Medical Center was 
good for physician training, but it was not well known for its surgical training scheme. And so I ended up working at the Alfred. I was at the Alfred uh, between 2001 and 2004. Um, so I did 2001 internship, 2002 I was a surgical resident, 2003 I took a year off and did anatomy demonstrating back at Monash University mm -hmm. and, uh, and I was a medical tutor as well and doing some nights to cover Marunda Hospital at the same time. Uh, when you're a medical tutor or anatomy demonstrator you don't earn anything so I had to do some part-time work. Mm -hmm. So weekdays I was at university and weekends I was working at nighttime covering Marinda Hospital. I went back to the Alfred in 2004 as um, I was PGY4, but I was doing a third year job. But because I had passed my first part surgery exam, uh, they let me do a lot of surgical registrar jobs. And one of the first surgical rotations that I got was um, an orthopedic registrar job which residents used to do in Bernie in Tasmania so I ended up working doing that job and also cardiothoracic and other general surgical and emergency and ICU etc. And then 2005 I was a non-accredited registrar back at Dandenong Hospital and then I got on the program the first attempt first year out yeah. and uh, I went to Sydney uh, in 2006, did a four-year orthopedic training. I finished my training in 2000, end of 2009. And then 2010 and 11, I worked as a consultant, a young consultant, uh, uh, here in Melbourne at Sandringham Hospital. And I worked at Dandenong Hospital. also worked in Wagga Wagga for a little while in New South Wales, but slowly made my way from... Sydney back to Melbourne um, and then I went to my fellowship really late in 2012 and I've been back in practice in Melbourne since 2013. You mentioned kind of how you've come into orthopaedics what was it that uh, tipped the scales in terms of medicine versus surgery? Okay um, so as I mentioned you know during final year I still was very confused whether to do medicine or surgery and then when I did my internship uh, I worked both in emergency, obviously, and on the ward. Particularly in emergency, I think it made me realize what I want to do. As a whole, when we had patients who were coming to emergency department, I know it was very short-sighted at the time, but I would look at the medical registrars coming in and seeing the patients and admitting the patients, and you knew that you had a longitudinal sort of care and you had to admit these patients and take care of them for a long time and you didn't know how well they're going to get better or not and you're going to have to continue doing that as opposed to uh, surgical registrars and um, in that stream where you know most of the patients came in with an acute problem but also the management was quite quick as well so you came in with a fracture for example then you would need surgery and then it would get fixed and you would move on to the next patient. Uh, you'd come with an appendicitis, you'd have your appendicectomy and you would move on. I know it was very short-sighted, but actually that 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 appealed to me. Um, that was my initial thought. But later on as well, as time passed by and I did more surgical rotation and general medicine rotations, 
I think that I found out that that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted to do something where I could have a bit of a hands-on and I think that I found surgery a lot more satisfactory uh, in terms of job satisfaction. So I saw the surgeons being as a group of really happy people um, when they were doing the operations and when it was going very successful they were very happy and the the gratification was instant as opposed to uh, doing um, for example longitudinally following a patient with diabetes and then you would be treating them for a longer period of time I guess it's a different type of satisfaction but I think that the the fact that you know you're a problem solver it was a quick decision making quickly solving the problem and then seeing the results very quickly that appealed to me mm-hmm. and, and also the fact that it had a hands-on component so that's when I decided I think that surgery is better for me and then I applied for a basic surgical training while I was a resident Besides the fact that you had your first rotation in an orthopedic uh, registrar job, was there anything else that drew you to orthopedics in particular? So my first job as a resident was orthopedics as well at the Alfred. And um, this is in 2002 when uh, when I applied and I got onto the surgical stream. I still did not know which surgical subspeciality that I wanted to do. And that year they gave me orthopedics and cardiothoracic surgery, apart from doing nights um, and an emergency term. So I had four terms. The first job that I did was orthopedic surgery. And to my surprise, I actually hadn't thought about orthopedics before then. And the main thing that attracted me to orthopedics was how welcoming the group was. Mm -hmm. I worked very, very hard in that unit in that that year, but they were very welcoming. I got the opportunity to go to theatre a lot of times and they got me involved. I started stitching, closing some wounds. They even let me play with wires and the tools. And then I actually saw what they do. Um, Orthopedic surgeons had a different uh, say they, they, they had a different reputation in the community as we're talking about the doctors, the health professional community and what I saw inside was different. What I was told before was the orthopedic surgeons were a bunch of arrogant doctors who just don't want to talk to anyone and you can't speak to them and they're hopeless um, and they don't know anything about medicine. When I did my surgical rotation I realized that it was completely contrary to what I was told. Um, They were a friendly bunch of guys, they were very caring, and they looked after me as their intern and or as their resident, Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed being there. And so being accepted as part of their team, that was very appealing. But in addition to that, uh, just knowing that I could play with all those fantastic instruments and um, and being, you know, a, a sports person as well, I've been playing soccer all my life. Uh, I was also interested in locomotion and biomechanics and 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 the anatomy of it as well. So, putting it all together, it wasn't too hard to put it on the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned your roles outside of, I guess. Uh, just orthopedics, such as your roles as a tutor um, and as an anatomy um, 
Tudor Medical Tutor Anatomy Tutor. You've also got roles on, for example, the Australian Orthopaedic Association and whatnot as well. How do those kind of come into play with your role as an orthopaedic consultant? The I don't think that the um, the anatomy demonstrating helped me decide to become orthopaedic surgeon. Um, but by then I had already made up my mind mm -hmm. because it, so in 2002 when I was a resident I did orthopedic surgery as a as a subspecialty resident job and I also did the cardiothoracic the rest of them were emergency and sure. night cover as I said when I did the cardiothoracic surgery I realized it's not for me I already also had decided that I didn't want to do neurosurgery for probably the same reasons. So cardiothoracic surgery, for example, when I worked with that unit, it was very stressful. I could see how stressful the surgeons were and it was hard work. And they had to come in very late at night. It was long hour surgery, most of them going for four hours or longer. And it's also very stressful in that when, especially when you work in a transplant unit, a lot of the patients, you've got that their life and hand sort of speak. So yeah. even though surgery appealed to me, I wanted to do a surgery which was a little bit less stressful. Sure. And that's why I decided I don't want to do neurosurgery and I don't want to do, for example, um, cardiothoracic surgery whereas let's say plastics and orthopedics were a little bit more appealing because even though yes it's got its stresses but overall when I looked at both group of surgeons I said to myself what kind of a surgeon do I want to be do I want to be a cardiothoracic surgeon be really stressed with every surgery because you've got to work out what sort of person you are yourself and which sort of environment do you work the best if you think that you're going to be a little bit stressed in that kind of very stressful environment and you're not going to cope very well, then that's not for you. Sure. And I knew that that was not for me. So I wanted to do surgery, but do a field which was probably a little bit less stressful and with better satisfactory outcome. And working in orthopedics, it made me realize that more than 95% of patients were happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and and that helped me. Uh, coming back with the AOA involvement, I wasn't initially involved with the AOA. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of the stuff that I got involved with the AOA, with orthopedic outreach, etc., was later when I was a registrar. Make sure to keep in touch with us through social media. Our handle is at the med collab. That's T-H-E-M-E-D-C-O-L-L-A-B on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our podcast for our weekly release. Now back to the show. Can you tell us uh, about your standard week and what your roles are? For example, how much clinic you do, how much uh, surgery you're doing and whatnot? At the moment? At the moment, yeah. Okay. So um, the first thing I guess I want to say t to you guys is that you should not look at any field in medicine uh, the way that you look at the registrars. Mm -hmm. And one of that's one of the pitfalls when people make that mistake. They look at the registrars, and even I did that make that mistake initially too, as I alluded to it before when I looked at the surgical registrars and, and, and medical registrars, but that was very short-sighted. 
If you see a surgical registrar being very, very busy, that doesn't mean that when you're a surgeon, you're going to be just as busy. So the four-year training, whether you do orthopedics or whether you're going to do any other surgical field or medical field, it's very short time and it will pass very quickly. So life as a surgeon, it can be as busy as you want it or you could have it as light as you want it. My week is roughly about I'd say somewhere between 40 and 50 hours a week. That's because I choose to do so many hours a week, not because I have to. I can do less if I want to, I can do more if I want to, but that's what I want to do because I'm used to it. And I enjoy it, I love what I do. And so I do that many hours. As a general rule, I work about one and a half days a week in the public. So half of that one and a half day a week, half a day is in the clinic and then one day of operating. I work, I do on call one night a week during the weekdays and one in eight weekends on call because there are eight consultants covering the on call. I don't do any on call in the private. I operate in the private on average one day, sometimes one and a half day a week, but usually one day a week. And the rest of the time I spend time just consulting in the private. Wonderful. And how much of your time is split between uh, your clinical and non-clinical work? So are you saying non-clinical makes up maybe 10, 20% of your work? or? Um, well, most of the work that I do is clinical. The yeah. non-clinical work that I'm involved with is, um, one, I teach the medical students when they are coming through the rotation at Dandenong Hospital. I also um, spend a bit of time teaching the surgical registrars also spend a bit of time reading the journals and keeping up to date. Sometimes we've got, occasionally we've got some research programs going on at Dandenong too, so I sort of get involved with that. Um, but the rest of the time is predominantly clinical. I'd, I'd say probably about 10% of my hours is non-clinical, but mm-hmm. the rest are clinical. Um, but by that I mean, you know, even writing you know the the records medic and the medical records and dictation and all that. I, I take that all as as clinical. Sure. I guess the only other thing that I didn't mention with the non-clinical is is um, the business side of things, mm-hmm. which no one teaches you while no. you are going through your training as a medical student or as a surgical trainee, and that's something that you learn as you open a private practice. And that's very complicated, and it depends whether you're going to work in a solo practice or with multiple people, whether you're going to own the business or whether you're going to rent out. Because I own my own premises, then I've got a lot of overheads and bills to pay, etc. So I do spend probably a good four hours a week on on the non-clinical, just purely business side of things. Okay, wonderful. Uh, what would you f- say is the most rewarding part of being an orthopedic consultant? For me, the most rewarding part is uh, when I see the patients happy. Mm-hmm. It makes my day. So, And like you said, it's an instant gratification where the next day they're walking again. or Absolutely. So um, the, the best examples are the patients when they come in. Well, either we've got two aspects, right? We've got the emergency orthopedic and we've got the elective. So I do joint replacement surgery 
and it's been I've got many cases so they I'll give you the best example that I've had very recently I had this lady who had a fractured neck of femur in Philippines about uh, 10 years ago and it was uh, fixed with a bipolar arthroplasty so they did whatever they could at the time over there and over time it had worn out quite a bit she also had a lot of arthritis on the other side she's only 52 she got married to an Australian came to Australia and she was moving around limping around using a walking frame at age 52 severe pain and were on narcotics um, and she thought that that was normal until she came in and she saw me uh, and I ended up revising one side one hip and then three months later I did the other side hip and now she walks without any frame and when I saw her at three months, uh, she kissed me, and she, I just, she was so elated, and that made my best, my my day, and I've, I've been, I've been lucky enough to have so many patients like that, um, that you make a huge difference in their life, and, and and like I mentioned before, in patients who have severe arthritis and they can't mobilize you do the surgery particularly nowadays they mobilize from next day yeah so uh, you can see that you know you improve their quality of life do you get rid of their pain and they are very very happy so that's for me the most gratifying part of being an orthopedic surgeon just mm -hmm. getting that satisfaction that feeling of gratification back from the patient it gives me I've, I've never used drugs, but I think if, if <laughs> drugs gives you high, that's the sort of high that I get. I don't sure. think I need drugs. <laughs> and besides, I guess, uh, uh, fixing the patients and getting them back to health, what else excites you about orthopedics? Well, there's the other component of the orthopedics that, that, that you actually feel the fun part and the gratification in theatre as well. And yeah. so it's... When, you, when you're faced with a complex case, it's a challenge. And when you're in theater as a surgeon, you are the leader. And so you've got to make all the right decisions. Uh, I, I'm not saying by any means that all the time everything goes very, very well. But uh, when you've got a complicated case, when you've got a challenging case, uh, and when things go according to plan how you've planned it and you get it done, it gives you a big satisfactory feeling at yeah. the end of it um, and and that happens from time to time as well great and conversely what part of uh, I guess your roles is the most difficult to deal with or the one that you struggle with the most um, I think that uh, the, the hardest part that I struggle with is is uh, some aspects of the public hospital bureaucracy um, where uh, I have no control. Yeah. So the best example that I can give you is occasionally public patients who come in to see me in the rooms, and by the way, I do see public patients in the rooms and I put them on the waiting list. Um, I put them on the waiting list, but I don't necessarily do the surgery because once they go in the public waiting list, they just go into a pile the hospital's got every right to pick them up from that pile and hand them over to whoever they want to hand them over. Sure, sure. And that's the bit that I'm struggling with because the patients have seen me, I have explained the procedure to them and their expectation is what I've told them. Suddenly they go in, they get done by someone else who's never seen them, never spoken to them 
and they get the surgery but it may not be exactly what I was planning to do because now it's getting they're getting done by someone else and occasionally they come back and they see me and they say well doc you put me on the waiting list and yes I had my knee arthroscopy or whatever that they were having done and they're not happy mm -hmm. but I haven't done the surgery and I don't know what to do do I tell them that their surgeon did something different or do I tell them something different I don't know what to tell them actually it makes it very very frustrating to see someone else's patient when you haven't you've been involved initially in their managed in their management and their care but you haven't gone through all the way so in the private you see a patient you operate on them you follow them up but in the public one person sees the patient another person operates and another person follows them up and then you only hear about it when later on there is a complaint. Yeah. That's the frustrating part for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, as an orthopedic consultant, are you more of a hip person or more of a knee person? <laughs> um, I actually enjoy uh, hip surgery more. I think I find it a little bit more challenging. And um, the primary hip replacement, uh, that's sort of a bread and butter and the standard hip doesn't excite me. <laughs> but, uh, uh, lately, in the last two years, I've, I've taken anterior hip replacement, and there's always been improvement in technology. And recently, we've—I uh, just did a course last year in robotic-assisted hip replacement, and the hospitals, just a couple of the hospitals I work with, they've bought the robot, and we're going to be starting doing robotic-assisted surgery. So that's the exciting part. Uh, they surgery that I enjoy the most is revision surgery so revision hip or revision knee but particularly revision hip it's difficult but it's very challenging and when it's done well and the results are good it's very satisfying the reason is partly because it's not something that I do all the time it's uh, complex and part of it is also selfish because I know that not everyone can do it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And can you make comments about uh, emergency orthopedic surgery and trauma surgery as well? And I guess how much of that you get to do yeah. and how that, what your thoughts are yeah. on that? So uh, that's the other fun part as well. Um, it's, it's really an exciting part of the orthopedic surgery. Um, I do it because um, it, 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 it keeps me excited about orthopedics because Every fracture is different, every injury is different, uh, and you have to come up with a solution every time that's different. You apply the same principles, but we say that every fracture's got its own personality and you've got to deal with it separately. Um, you've also got time limitation, and uh, they are far different. They are very, very different to an elective surgery we've, where you've got a lot more control. Um, but I find that quite interesting as well and I and I love doing the trauma because you get patients ranging from little children all the way to the adults so you get little kids who respond to treatment very differently their fracture pattern is very different and you've got to treat them differently to adults and then and then obviously then you've got the very elderly with fractured nicothemas where you got to look at them differently again, sure. treat them very differently. But the exciting part about that is that it's um, 
every time it's unpredictable it's different uh, and the only way you can be good at it if you keep doing it all the time and you got to keep abreast with the knowledge because orthopedics as a subspeciality is growing so rapidly it has grown a lot in the last 10 to 15 years and it's hard to keep up to date but you need to do that yeah that actually goes well with the next question which is how do you see orthopedics changing over the next 10 years um you kind of touched on robot assisted surgeries yeah. and whatnot. so um well first of all i think that what i need to say is that uh, technological development has played a significant role in advancing orthopedic surgery and all surgeries in all surgeries, but orthopedics have had, I'm, I probably am a bit ignorant about how much advancement there has been in other areas, but particularly in orthopedics, I think that um, the private sector obviously has, has, has made some gains, financial gains, and therefore they're putting part of that profit back into marketing and into research. And we've had a lot of improvements in technological advancement. And um, yes, and, uh, one of the new things is um, is robotic surgery. It's um, I don't think it's a holy grail of orthopedic surgery or for that matter, any other surgery. But I think that we are beginning to use robots to get more accurate results. And I think that's fascinating. It's uh, it's a whole different topic to talk about, but I think we've been slow in using robots in our industry compared to, let's say, um, uh, you know, other industries. Like uh, if you look at pilots and how they have uh, utilized it in the aviation industry, uh, we are a little bit behind. But I think that in the future we're going to be far more technologically driven than we are now. And do you see like plates and things changing as well? So, for example, getting, uh, I guess every time we go into surgery, there's all these different plates and all these different sizes and everything. Do you see that changing much or um, is that, are we stable with that? I think that it's going to stay for a while. Yeah. The only thing that might change will be um, how we're doing it. Um, and already it has started. So a lot of the times now we do even fracture fixation through minimally invasive procedures so for example a distal femoral fracture in the past you know uh, you would have to open the entire leg to put in plate and screws now you can do a small incision and introduce the plate submuscularly uh, and then you can do put in the screws through um, little stab incisions um, we still need to do surgery there will still be some cuts involved there will still be <laughs> some hands-on work done but I think what um, it's a good combination when you use technology in your ad, in your benefit in terms of in your advantage in terms of um, getting the surgery quicker, doing less damage to soft tissue, and getting the patients mobilizing quicker. Okay. And and that's that's the aim that we are we are trying to achieve because the whole principle of orthopedic surgery is to relieve patients pain and return them to their function as quickly as possible of course if i was to look looking to get into orthopedics how would i make myself a more desirable candidate in the lead up to applying to orthopedics well i think the first thing that you need to do is probably as a student you should you should spend some time in an orthopedic unit um and i don't mean by that 
just a two-week or three-week rotation that you will end up doing. If you're really serious about any particular field, I strongly advise you that you take three or four weeks either as an elective or spend three or four weeks of your annual leave and your holiday period and go and work in a unit when there is no other students around. That will show that you are very, very motivated. Um, and I think that it will give you a real perspective of what surgeons do. And you need to, um, specifically with orthopedics, you need to spend a bit of time in the clinic or in the rooms with a consultant, see what the type of patients that we see, what there, you will see some preoperative patients, you'll see some post-op. And if you hang around for about four weeks, you'll probably likely, most likely to see the patient that you saw preoperatively again. again. And then you will see the satisfaction that I'm talking about. Uh, you also got to spend a little bit of time in surgery and theater and then find out what we do in theater um, and then go sometimes with an orthopedic registrar down to emergency. How do you deal with the emergency and follow up that patient who has presented with a fracture down uh, in the emergency department all the way into theater and then postoperatively. And so you can longitudinally actually follow up the patients and you will see most of the results within four weeks, four to six weeks, in fact, uh, you'll see quite a bit. Please make sure to complete the survey for this episode. We want to make sure the episodes are as useful as possible and the surveys help us to monitor whether they're making an impact on our fellow peers. It only takes 30 seconds and it helps more than you can imagine. The link can be found on our Facebook and our blog. And how about in terms of, for example, uh, just prior to application, what other extra extra uh, qualifications would be really helpful, such as a Master of Surgery or any particular research okay. amounts? Or so I think that if you do any of uh, those extra bits, like, you know, doing a Master of Surgery, etc., yes, it will look good on your resume, but that's not the only thing. So a lot of the candidates are actually looking very, very similar on the piece of paper to us. Um, so what sets, them, what sets one so, person apart? Okay, so... Um, in fact, if you're trying to apply for orthopedic surgery, so apart from doing your um, studentship, you also need to do a rotation as an orthopedic intern uh, or a resident. Um, and during that, that term, you need to work extra hard and show that you want it more than anything else in life. Yeah. And it becomes, it becomes clear to us. So... The, the resident who wants it badly, they're the ones who are always, who make time to get into theatre, they get to know the consultants, they need to get, to get to know all the registrars, they get their job done well and beyond the call of duty, and that's what sets you apart from someone else who might have done a Master of Surgery. But if you show motivation, you show the skill, you show that you're a good team player, then you will be given the opportunity. What we want to do is nurture people from that young age when they are intern. So we always seek, in our department anyway, we always seek the young that have got the potential to be trained. We don't expect you to be trained when you come in and I've read three orthopedic textbooks already. It doesn't matter to us at all. What matters is, are you going to play as a team player? Are you getting along with the nursing staff or all the allied health very well? Are we going to get complaints about you from the emergency department doctors that you're rude? If, I've, if we get 
all those positive feedbacks from all the other people and we noticed that you're showing a lot of interest and motivation then that's the first step when you apply for a non-accredited registrar chip then that's what sets you apart and you will get the job how have you seen interest in uh, orthopedics and surgery in general changing over the years well i think that um as i was mentioning before orthopedic surgery was not that probably not that appealing to a lot of people as medical students and certainly in my year you know everyone that you spoke to they wanted to become either an id physician or a cardiologist um, partly because of the influence by the lecturers um, during our medical student times we had very little time spending with subspecialities like orthopedics cardiothoracic etc as medical students um, we are inspired by people around us so in my years that was all the id physicians because of you know hiv at the time being um you know at the press and something that was very important um and over the years now we have had more interests i think orthopedic surgery is uh now well known to our students and definitely to residents and interns i think uh, they know a lot more about it now than we did um, we also have had now more uh, women in orthopedic surgery which is fantastic i think that now women are interested in orthopedics it used to be that people thought that if you're not six foot and higher yeah. and you're not a rugby player or a, yeah. or a football player <clears throat> or you've got a major interest in that you shouldn't do orthopedics yeah. and that's completely nonsense because i'm neither six foot tall and nor a rugby or a or a uh, football player i do i play the real football which they call <laughs> soccer here yeah. um uh, and even one of my consultants in one of the emergency departments was very surprised when I told him that I wanted to do orthopedics uh, uh, because he said to me that, you know, you're not six foot tall and <laughs> you sure you want to do orthopedics? Yeah. Uh, but that's changing a lot now. So uh, the other thing that's changing now is that the registrars are working far less hours than they used to. Um, so I think it's more appealing that from that point more of view. Registrars? Absolutely, there sure. are more registrars now training, there are more positions, and therefore the on-call is spread a lot more. Uh, and I think that it puts less stress on on the registrars' relationships and personal life. So. You can have a very balanced lifestyle now as an orthopedic registrar than let's say if you did 15 years ago. Perfect. Uh, three last questions. So touching on work-life balance, how would you say your work-life balance is now? And what, I guess, things outside of medicine do you take uh, Do you take enjoyment in and how do you fit them in? Um, it's, uh, my life balance is, is, is very good, um, but I'm not married yet. <laughs> Not because of orthopedic surgery, but it's just that I haven't yet. Uh, I work about 40 to 50 hours a week, as yep. I mentioned, both clinical and non-clinical, but that's what I want to do. Apart from um, orthopedic surgery and clinical work, I play soccer once a week. I go to the gym twice a week. I spend a lot of time with my friends. Um, and I do all the other social events and 
fun that people do you know like <laughs> going to the movies going to dinners and yep. catching up with family and friends um but the most enjoyable part for me outside orthopedics is still playing soccer wonderful okay um in terms of uh shortages in surgery maybe not specifically orthopedics but where do you see the biggest shortage in surgeries in terms of the people working there and where would we need more people working well, at the moment, I think that the um, intake in orthopedic surgery is adequate. So yeah. we are training far more people um, than we did, let's say, you know, 10 years ago or sure. 15 years ago. Um, at the moment, there are some areas of orthopedics uh, that I see definitely shortage of. And uh, I think it's going to be a problem down the track if every orthopedic trainee end up doing hip and knee surgery yeah. or, or shoulder surgery. So the area that, I'm, that we are mainly concerned about is pediatric orthopedics. And uh, over the years, for various reasons, people have, not adequate people have been trained in pediatric orthopedic surgery. Um, and we definitely have a shortage now. And given the um, the least number of orthopedic registrars showing any interest in it i'm concerned that we're going to have a shortage and we're going to end up getting people from overseas okay. to fill the positions yeah hmm. that's very interesting uh the last question i had was what advice would you have wanted to know as an intern or would you like to pass on to either interns or i guess uh medical students okay so the 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 best advice that I can give you guys is that you should pursue your subspeciality that you're most interested in. Whatever you think that you're going to be really interested in and you enjoy it, regardless of what remuneration you're going to get, the reward needs to be that personal satisfaction, not just the financial gratification, because I think the other bit will come. If you're actually interested in it and you enjoy it and you like it and you do a fantastic job, chances are that you're going to be a very wanted surgeon or a specialist in whichever field you choose and chances are you will do very well. So you not only you will enjoy it, but you will also make a comfortable living as well. But you need to find out what you're interested in and you need to follow your dreams. And just believe in yourself. And if you've come this far and you're smart enough to do medicine, you're smart enough to do any subspeciality, don't let anyone tell you otherwise that you can't do it. So the way to find out if you're not sure is to do multiple rotations. If you think that you're not sure whether to do medicine or surgery, then you've got to do a little bit of both as an intern, and most of us do anyway. At least by end of that, you need, to, you need to make a decision. If you're still not sure, do another year of general before you make a decision. Because once you go into the subspecial area, that's it. Then you're going to have to keep going further up the stream. However, if you've made up your mind and you think, let's say, for example, as an internal medical student, you're interested in orthopedic surgery, well, do the internship, do the residency, you got to make sure that you are interested in it. And if you confirm that you are interested in it, then you got to work really, really hard and make sure you're better than the candidate next to you who's going to apply for the job.
mm-hmm. and then you work from there and the rest will work itself out if you're motivated and you're hard working we will see it and you will get the opportunity if i did it i'm sure you can too wonderful thank you so much for your help really appreciate it my pleasure i hope that helps <laughs> That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If there's any doctors you'd like us to interview, or if there's any questions you'd like asked, please shoot us a message. We listen and respond to every single message that comes through. All right, guys. See you next week.